Um, hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Uh, it's Chris here. I um, hope you're doing well, keeping safe, wearing masks. We're at mask stage now, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, we've got a special podcast today talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I don't know if you've been listening to the Terrace podcast, where they've been speaking to some uh, black male footballers about kind of the movement and their experiences across the Scottish game. But uh, I thought it was important we got, uh, got a take from the women's side of the game. And to help me do that, I've been joined by Motherwell's uh, kind of human highlight reel, in my opinion, um, Kayla mcdonald Uh Kayla, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate your time. Well, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> nah, no problem at all. Um, well, before we get into kind of the, maybe the slightly more serious, more kind of slightly heavier stuff, how's, how's the last few months been for you? Obviously, we've been living through a lockdown. We're kind of coming out of the back of it now. Um, how's it been for you? Uh, for me... It's probably, like everyone else, it's been really difficult. I find it very difficult just with, you know, you losing your routine. I don't think people realise how much it has an impact until, obviously, this has all happened. And even just speaking to friends, are like, wow, like, I don't know how to feel. I don't I don't have football. I don't have work. Uh, I think it's one of those kind of, it's like an underrated part of our life that we just take for granted as a routine. So um, that's something that's knocked me quite a bit personally. No, I, I would agree with that. Um, I've never spent so much time in my flat uh, <laughs> as I have recently. And I'm sure you're the same because obviously uh, playing football, uh, your routine has been totally thrown out of whack. Um, there's obviously now we're getting to a stage with women's football, slightly behind the men's game in terms of when it's coming back, but we're getting to that stage where we are starting to come back. I know you've just come back from surgery, but have you had kind of those conversations now about getting back on the pitch? Uh, yeah, so those are kind of our plans, I think, are hopefully to get back soon. I think now we're allowed kind of non-contact training. However, the league is quite strict, as you should be on, you know, the equipment needs to be there, uh, especially where you're training. So uh, I think that's something we're trying to navigate back uh, around. But obviously, you've seen a few teams, you know, like uh, Spartans, also Glasgow City are back yeah, training. Yeah. So. Even though it's not me personally, it's great to see, you know, people getting back, so. Yeah, hopefully when the, when the football's back, which I think an announcement is very, very shortly coming about that, um, hopefully when it's back, I'll quite happily stand in front of a temperature gun if it means I can get into kind of cover. <laughs> so, yeah, super good fun. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're kind of here to talk about the Black Lives Matters movement. It's something that has, I, I think it was important to talk about it now. Uh, um, I'd like to get your kind of, before we get too into it, but obviously... It's maybe been about a month and a half, maybe two months since it really kind of kicked into gear. Um, I was keen to kind of do it now as opposed to right at the time. How do you feel like it's progressed over the last couple of months? Do you feel it's kind of the noises died down a little bit? How's, how's your take been on it? Yeah, well, I think with a lot of things, noise does die down. Um, I think in the past, like Black Lives Matter uh, kind of movement, it's not something that's just started in the past month. It's been going on for years and obviously the noises died down until recently where it's all kind of kicked back off again. Uh, but I think it's good because we're at a stage in like life where everyone's got access to the internet, so a lot more people see it and, and a lot more people become educated on it. And I think that's the key word when talking about Black Lives Matter is, is be, people being educated um, on it and why, why it is a thing, why it's here sort of thing. So... Going, going back to kind of the, the, the catalyst, which was obviously the, the death of George Floyd and, and the footage that did the rounds there, I remember just horrific stuff to watch. What, what was your initial reaction when you, when you saw that kind of come out? Uh, to be honest, it was 
it was the same as every other time because it's not the first time I've seen it and that's the sad reality. This is just the one that seemed to catch a lot more people's attention. Um, but I think for me, you know, I've always kind of seen uh, these videos doing the rounds, but they've never picked up the kind of media presence this one did. I'm not entirely sure why, because they're all as brutal as each other. Um, but obviously this one's especially sad because, you know, the man lost his life for effectively doing nothing. So that's the kind of scary part of it. Um, but yeah, I think it's... It's it's horrible that you know someone has had to had to die sort of thing for people to be like oh but I think that's like also a huge problem as well with anything in life it's everything's got something's something has got to come to a horrible conclusion for people then to speak up to see about it kind of thing and I think that's quite scary more than anything. <laughs> no, I think I think you're absolutely right. It, it seems like something extreme has to happen to provoke a reaction um, at the moment, which shouldn't really be the case. But in the kind of aftermath of that, obviously you talked about it, it's, it's been a continuing movement, but obviously it got this kind of surge of energy um, after that event. How did that feel? Like, because as people like, I would, I, I'll hand, hold my hands up and I think a lot of people are holding hands up saying it's maybe something that wasn't in the, in the consciousness of, of myself. Um, but obviously lots of people have kind of brought that to the front of their minds. How's that been to kind of watch and participate in as more people seem to be showing more of an interest? Yeah, no, it was, it's great. It's great because like it meant for me, especially like, you know, I identify myself, I'm, I'm, I'm black, you know, my mum's white, my dad's black, but I'm kind of black. But like, um, for me, like personally, I've not really had these kinds of conversations with my friends and that's also, I felt that this all brought up, you know, my stance on it. I haven't done enough. I've let things happen to me and just thought, oh, it's just it's just how my life will be. And I think it's been eye-opening, even for myself. Um, but seeing this with my friends, like having really deep conversations with my friends has been great. And it's uh, good to see that people are starting to take notice and, been, and by people just taking notice, things change. They might be small, but like, in the course of you know the years to come because we'll have changes now but effectively Black Lives Matter is a movement for life um hopefully we'll see bigger changes in the years to come. Growing up in Scotland um we know Scotland's not massively ethnically diverse when you look at some other countries even even the south of England for example how how is life growing up in, in kind of Scotland as a as a young young black female? Um for me I think I get this. I think this is one thing that did come up that annoyed me quite a bit with the Black Lives Matter is the amount of people that I have here say there's no racism in Scotland, <laughs> and you know, and obviously experiencing it, you you laugh because it's crazy that people yeah. just they don't take account for it um, when it happens on a day to day basis. Um, for me personally, I've had different things uh, happen to me, but. Uh, like for example like at school I was bullied for my skin colour I was bullied because of my hair it was different you know it was I knew I always knew growing up I was different but it wasn't until these like kind of moments like like it hurts a lot more than people think it's not just like people bullying it's just sad like it hurts deeply and it sticks with you for the rest of your life sort of thing so um, yeah so um, for me I think um, sorry, I'm starting a little bit there. No, um, you're okay. 
I've had quite a few experiences um, in Scotland, so it's. Uh, I think we make out we're a lot more innocent than we are, uh, and that kind of like goes back to the point of like I think people, when people are educated on it, they realise, oh, like maybe we are racist. I've been racist, but until people are educated on it, they don't take account or responsibility. So then it just continues, sort of thing. When when you were growing up, and I, I don't know if this is the case, so please tell me. But were you the the only black? child in your class was there other black children kind of where you grew up or what was it like uh, for my class actually there was another black girl and um a couple of people from you know asian backgrounds yeah. um so i think my class was probably one of the most diverse um we kind of had but even like talking about like my uh, friend who's also black like the kind of small like I'm sure we'll go on to talk about it later, but like, uh, like racism, people think it's just you know, you say this, you say that, but there's a lot of microaggressions, such as one with me and my friend, is that people would confuse us on purpose as a joke, and I was like, that's not a joke. We're two different people. Yeah, we're black, but we're not the same person, you know. So stuff like that was really quite frustrating for me. Is there anything that really sticks out in your mind? growing up in terms of a particular experience or something where you just kind of at the time you got either like really upset or you just kind of walked away from it and you just you couldn't believe kind of what had happened yeah I think there's probably two incidents um I think one was I was only five years old actually and I was playing in a tournament with my boys team and uh, playing in a team you know you're just playing the game that your head's in the game kind of thing and at the time, I didn't understand it, but also more as I've grown up, I understand like how I might have felt. But you know, being called certain names, and it, it, like me thinking about that now, it still upsets me. But also, it's worrying because this is also another child who's five, who's like you don't develop these on your own at that age, you know. Uh, so, this is the problem with you know your like people's racial tendencies are passed down. And here you have five-year-olds um, being racist to other kids, you know, that they don't know or have had problems with. Yeah. Um, so that was one, like, kind of early on, probably the, one of the first experiences. I think one of, one of the most recent ones, actually, was when I was um, in a camp, actually, with uh, Scotland under-19s, women's under-19s. We were playing at home, Orium, and when you play in these tournaments, all the teams must stay in the same hotel. And um, one in particular girl that played for Croatia, it was at the time, um, seemed to have a problem with me. I didn't take anything too seriously about it until I remember I walked past the lift and she gave me a dead stare. And I think the word that came out, she was like chocolate and then spoke in her native language. And I was like, well, at the time I lost it a little bit. Um, I just like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I don't know you. I've not said anything to prove you but here you are trying to bring me down kind of thing and that was what most upset me but at the same time I had my it kind of showed me like my full team you know rallied around me they were all really really good and then what in fact happened was I'd made good friends with actually one of the girls in the creation team and she brought the girl up with other girls in the team and they were they said to me she isn't a representation of us but they forced her to apologize and I was just like wow, like, yeah. here we are, like, 16-year-olds taking account for someone else, you know, and that, that kind of, like, obviously it wasn't a great situation, but that gave me hope kind of thing, because that was like, wow, okay, like, 
um, there are people who understand racism and take account for it. So, what what's what's your take then? Because you mentioned your kind of teammates rallying round you, and then obviously the Croatian players' teammates kind of getting her in the right direction. What's your take in terms of the kind of ally movement of like people from non-black backgrounds kind of showing support? Is that something you think there could be more of, or what's what's your take on that? Yeah, of course, I think it could be more on every side, you know, like there'll always, there'll always be a thing, a part where people could do more, but I think just seeing how many people have come out in support of it, knowing, you know, that people might uh, look at them differently for it, like how we're looked at differently just because of our colour, um, it does give me hope, um, and I think it's great to see. You've mentioned obviously growing up, and this is quite a common story in women's football, is that you would have played the boys teams kind of as you were growing up before you got to a certain level and then girls teams become a bit more prevalent and um, it's obviously quite difficult playing in a boys team already did you did you personally feel like it was an extra level of challenge being a, a black girl as opposed to just being a girl or did you not think about it like that no um no I was very very lucky that way that I did never had to think about it at all uh with my own team it was only all those incidents that happened with other teams, but you know that was the good thing. I was in a good team, you know, good parents, you know, are educated, and I was never looked at differently, so I never felt differently. You've also mentioned the Croatia thing as well. When you see kind of football organisations, kind of like FIFA and UEFA, and they they find somebody really heavily for wearing the wrong branded shorts, for example, as um, <laughs> a no nod coming there, um, but then you see maybe like kind of token fines going out for racism. I think I'm thinking about obviously like England and Bulgaria recently was obviously a very high profile one. How how does how does that make you feel? Does that kind of feel like it's putting everything back a bit? Uh, definitely, yeah. I think for me especially like seeing that it's it's so frustrating because, you know, like you said, people wear the wrong colour shorts, they're fined. People are racist. They're probably there's incidents where they've been fined less. And I, I'm like, that's crazy. Like, to me, I, I, I don't understand it. <laughs> I probably never will. But uh, no, I find it uh, scary. But also, like like you said, the England-Bulgaria uh, uh, kind of incident that went on there, that one was very interesting because you had the talk of the players walking off the pitch if um, it happened in Bulgaria. And I was kind of like wondering, well, it happens in England a lot more than people like to think. Yeah. Uh, where's the support there? You know, are clubs, are club teams less likely to show you support? Is it only if you're away on the national team and only if you're in another country when it happens in your own country just as much or even more, you know? Uh, that I don't kind of understand, but it was good to see in a way that, you know, that it was spoken about then. Uh, but as I say, like, since then... There's not been any other talk about, you know, proper like racism in football, you know, until maybe the movement kind of kicked in. Yeah. Would you walk off a pitch if you felt you were experiencing something that wasn't wasn't right? So this is this is one that I have debated myself because it's a hard one because um, I think it shows a stance, but at the same time, you know, it might just be me personally, but I, like I also want to just show my stance, you know, that you're not going to tear me down, you're not going to force me to leave like the pitch like this is my hobby this is what I want to do um but I think that's where you know education is key because 
obviously that's discussions I would need to have like with my team like if that happened and I and they knew that I'd walk off then they'd be in support of that or would they not kind of thing also the referees are so key in that as well like how do they handle that situation and I don't know I don't know myself how I'd handle it so it's it's a hard one I think it's one of those until if it happens then I would know then but you know at the same time I wouldn't want that to happen but it's something that's so prevalent. It's probably high, probably highly likely, you know, as career goes on, and something I will need to address. Um, what's what's your take in terms of people that have been trying to kind of distorting the message? Do you think what what do you think? Well, how do you feel about that? Is probably a far better question than. Um, uh, it's a lot, a lot of tweets, especially that I've seen that just, it, it, frust- it angers you inside because. It's like they're taking it as a joke. Um, you know, I've seen tweets that have called the BLM movement thuggery. And I'm just like, that's not the case at all. These They're basing it off of what's happening in America. What's happening in America is a lot more extreme than happening here. You know, the protests here were all uh, peaceful. They were all quiet. Um, they were all two metres apart, you know, with corona going on. Uh, but it's the same people that also tell you, oh, racism only happens in America. Um, but then they'll base their agendas from what's happening in another country to here, and I just it's crazy. Um, but it's, there's always going to be those people that you can't change their minds. Um, but you've got to go with the you know try and change the majority of people because um, there's always going to be the minority that are just going to be ignorant to it, and they'll blatantly continue to be racist despite you know supporting a team week in week out with black players in it. Um, but it's, I think it's crazy, some of the things that have been said, and I do feel for you know players because when you're in that situation, all you want is support. Yeah. That's the biggest thing, you know. If, you, if someone's been racist to you, and you know, like when I had that situation before, like it would have been a lot harder if I didn't have my team, you know, really rally around me kind of thing. So when you're playing in front of forty, fifty thousand a week, um, giving your all, playing for a shirt, uh, yeah. If uh, something racist happens to you, or whatever, they'll fully on, they'll fully support that person being racist. You're kind of like, well, like it's just, uh, it's just. I think it's just unbelievable, really. But uh, as I say, it's a minority of some people. We won't be able to change their minds, so we have to kind of uh, not condone it in any way at all. Um, I think uh, can't condone how people speak like that, but. There's going to be people's minds you can't change, and that's just the fact of life, kind of way. Yeah, which is unfortunate, but as you say, some people will never change, which is just kind of something to deal with. One of one of the things I was wanting to ask you about, and it's something I've been interested in personally, it's about uh, the language used when talking about uh, black footballers. So um, this kind of idea of power and pace, and we've 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 been joking a little bit before we recorded this today how much I enjoy your love of a out the air volley. Um, is it your t- I don't know what your technique is, but genuinely, I've seen you do it twice. I think once for Spartans last season against Stirling Uni and at Motherwell because you played in the last women's game before all this shut down as well uh, in the SWPL Cup against Park with Thistle. Um, it's like as a as somebody growing up watching football, did you notice that the conversation around black players was different than it was for other players? I, I didn't. You know, this was something that I was only my eyes only opened up to maybe last year. Um, and I think the key one for me was actually, you know, Yaya Turi for me. I thought, 
he was excellent pretty much. But I think I seen one tweet it was um, you know, all no all we heard about Yaya Touri was that he was big and powerful. Uh yeah, it was it was his technical abilities that made him so special. And then you compare him to David Silva, all you hear is David Silva, magic feet, twinkle toes, etc. And, you know, it's and people think, oh, but I think that falls under, you know, the microaggressions like um, that I was speaking about earlier, you know, like black players don't get the kind of compliments they deserve for their technical ability. And that's something I've kind of felt personally myself as well. I think even like you talking about those two volleys, um, I think especially after the first one, it was kind of like people were just like, oh, yeah, it was just a hit and hope, you know, it was just a kind of fluke. Um, and that's really frustrating because... You know, I know if that was, you know, someone else on my team, they'd be like, oh, t- that technical, the technical ability on that was brilliant, uh, like top drawer stuff. And that's really frustrating because then I'm not fishing for compliments in a way, but like, you know, you just want to be complimented as you should, the same as everyone else, not because you're bigger than other people or because your skin colour is a bit darker. Like, um, so yeah. I mean, grow- growing up, so I think there's only been one... Uh, black female Scotland international at uh, Growing up, did you have did you have role models just like, from across the board, or was it? I'm, not, I'm kind of darn about all this up a little bit at the moment. But um, growing up, did you have like role models that you looked up to in terms of that that aspect? Uh, I think the one for me was actually well, obviously DAK was a bigger one um, as well. But for me, Rachel Yankee was the first person I kind of you know, saw myself in because I was like, here is a black woman excelling in the sport she loves. And at the time, you, you weren't seeing a lot. Um, uh, and especially when, like, I think people take for granted, you see you see white role models everywhere. So people can draw inspiration from there. But I drew inspiration from loads of different people because it wasn't in my mind that it just had yeah. to be a black person. But she was the first, you know, black female footballer that I like saw and I looked up to uh, uh, because she was gifted and she was doing what she wanted to do and that's what I wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, she was the first one for me. And in terms of kind of media coverage, I think we've seen from the women's side at least there's been a growth in females covering football and sport in general. Do you think there's maybe something that can be done to increase the presence of a kind of black voices in the, in the media as well? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, actually one of the topics recently that I've saw, uh, obviously with the media, but uh, there's been a lot of discussions about, you know, black managers um, and how, you know, little there are. Uh, I think actually one tweet kind of summed it up for me was that someone replied, you know, um, it shouldn't be based on their colour. It should just be that they deserve it. But obviously you could tell that this was not someone who was an ally. This was someone just you know, oh, racism doesn't exist kind of thing. But ironically, they summed it up because that's all black people want is to be considered like everyone else. And if they win, if they get a job, it's based on their hard work, not because um, they're black, you know. Like, I think people think that people should just get jobs now because they're black. That's not the case. You know, we just want to be considered equally. That is the key point, you know. Uh, we want it to be equal, uh, not that, you know, we want to be given any favours, but, you know, we've been, uh, like, kind of disrespected more and, like, not included as much because we are black previously. 
we've kind of touched on that a little bit already, but in terms of football, can football help or does it fan the flames a little bit too? Has football got a, a role to play in this kind of going forward? Especially, obviously, for you as a footballer, I imagine it does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I think even, I could be biased saying this, but no, I think it has a massive uh, part to play because you look at how many people watch football, you know, so the audience that that captures just, you know, by getting word out there, you know, like racism happens, this is what we can do. But I think because personally, I don't think there's enough done right now. So people just, you know, scoff at it still. Uh, but I definitely think, you know, it's something UEFA, FIFA, but like do more. And I also think just, you know, regional leagues could do more, you know. I think like personally, like we do the show racism, the red cards, every year in this league but I don't think people actually you know fully understand what we're doing because literally you walk into the change room you're given the card you hold it up pre-match everyone thinks it's just a smile and a, a dance you know yeah. and, uh, that's not what it is so I think more can be done 100% uh, but across the board for sure. In terms of the movement as a whole looking ahead do you think this will bring positive change about? I've heard a couple of people say that they're not sure and think things might go back to the way they were, but I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful, but as, as, a, as a black person, what's, what's your thoughts? I think you've got to be hopeful. You know, you hope it's not all for nothing, um, but, you know, I can understand why people are a bit less optimistic because we're, we're in 2020 now and we're still fighting this, you know. But I think people forget, you know, that change will take a long time, you know, realistically we're fighting for small changes now but um we're fighting for a change for you know our grandkids great grandkids you know these like people down the line uh this is who we're fighting for and it's who our grands and granddads and great granddads all fought for but it'll be ever i can see it being an ever ongoing thing you know i don't think racism will fully ever be eradicated but i think you know we can definitely change the swing of you know uh, people being educated on it and, you know, racism being, you know, less kind of prevalent uh, in society. So I'm definitely hopeful. Um, but as you say, like, it, it's already kind of quieting down already. So yeah. it kind of shows you, you know, the kind of battle we're up against to stay, just to stay relevant. Yeah, I think for me, the, in my head, the, the message is the conversation should never stop. And that, that goes across the board. Is there anything that, there's been, there's been so much in, in recent uh, recent couple of months. Is there anything you think that's been missed when, when kind of people have been talking about it? Or have you felt encouraged by the kind of breadth of opinion and content that's been made available? Yeah, no, I think um, I can, there's nothing obviously at the top of my head I could think that it's been missed. But um, I think, you know, a lot of things I've seen have kind of talked about a lot of things across the board. You know, I've had people uh, actually speak to me about, you know, like one of my problems at school I had um, was I used to hate wearing my hair out in an afro. And I, to this day, it stays with me. Um, I don't know if it's kind of a shame thing or what, but, you know, I used to have people just come up and touch my hair, you know, and I, it just, it's so frustrating because, like, it's my hair, you know, come and ask me, fine, but people felt that they could just touch my hair because it was different and they could give their opinion on it when it really wasn't warranted or needed. You know, like, I can imagine me walking up to, you know, a white lady and touching her hair and she'd be like, she'd, you know, in this day and age, she'd probably kick off and, you know, yeah. it'd be something you'd hear about. But um, 
so that's kind of like like there's always going to be personal issues and stuff but I think even hearing about other people's problems with you know just to do with hair um hearing that for me was like uh not a relief but you know there's other people like it happens to it's not just me and it's actually you know it's like it's one of these micro aggressions that you come across in life and people don't understand the small things that are still racist um and do happen every day in life and they just don't even realize it is there anything that you would recommend somebody to maybe have a wee read or have a wee watch of that you've kind of seen that's kind of really kind of struck a chord? I've, I've totally sprung this on you, so apologies for that. <laughs> <laughs> but is there anything that like you, you've kind of seen or, or read that you think, oh, that'd be, that's something to definitely keep a note of? I think, um, well, off the top of my head, I could think of, you know, like the most recent one was When They See Us on Netflix. That was about the Central Park Five. Uh, it was the five black, uh, black boys who were accused of uh, like raping a, a woman, basically, and they were basically picked up because they were black, and they spent years and years in jail. You know, like seventeen years for one of them, um, and eventually, obviously, out now the documentaries about it. But that was one of the big ones that struck a chord with many people. Um, I think other ones, even just looking at books wise, you know, a big one for me was Jane Elliot because. She's a you know a white voice that was speaking up, um, and especially this was like she still does it now, but especially it was kind of like the big like you know times in America where schools were just starting to integrate stuff, uh, kids in, um, and I think uh, she struck a chord with me because she's most famous for she was in a lecture and she asked um, the students so who were obviously all white and said stand up if you want if you want to be treated like a black person is and obviously nobody stood up yeah so she said you know if so she, that obviously means that you know black people are treated differently so just because it's happening they're not happening to you why should other people settle to be treated differently and why should you stand by and watch it when you're part of the problem kind of thing um so her as well i think the last one i'll just speak about is uh, actually it's any uh, aluko who's who's a footballer Um, and obviously was in the media because you know there was racist remarks made to her and I think actually her kind of story is kind of what scares me a lot because here's a black woman who stood up for um, herself and you know black people when someone was making racist remarks yet she lost like her place in the team the manager was allowed to continue and then the kick in the teeth is when a fellow black teammate and friend scores a goal and goes and runs over in support. You know, I can I could never imagine how that would feel because like watching that like it, it disgusted me a kind of, a bit because, you know, you you hopefully you'd hope anyone uh would stick up for you, but especially, you know, a, a fellow black teammate and colleague. Um and then obviously eventually it did come out that he did say those words and He's actually lost. Uh, he lost his next job that he moved on to because of it. So, um, so she's got a book out that she speaks about that, and I'm currently going through that just now. But she speaks up a lot. So even just kind of following her on Instagram, Twitter. Um, uh, but these are the things as well. You can follow anyone on Twitter, yeah, and Instagram, definitely. and uh, so everything's ready available. There's no excuse not to see it because you'll see it come up on your social media. If you choose to ignore it, then as people say, like you're just as bad as the people who are being out there being racist, kind of thing. 
I think that's a, a pretty good line to end on, Kayla. Um, thanks very much for your time. It's uh, really appreciated. I know I have continued to learn things as, as I speak to people about this, and hopefully people have found this useful as well. Um, but thank you very much for coming on, and hopefully you get cleared from the injury soon. <laughs> thanks for having me, uh, especially on this kind of topic. So I really appreciate you letting me speak. And yeah, hopefully <laughs> the need doesn't keep me out too much longer, and we're back, you know, under the... Uh, under the lights soon, fine. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.